Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi folks and welcome back to Strength to be Human. This is your host, poet and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. So next episode here, episode 202, Faith Sees Without Eyesight. I've wanted to do this show for a while, mainly because I find that just like uh, doubt and fear can be real problems for, for writers, faith seems to be something that many writers either don't have or they misconstrue in, in a different manner. They think it's something they read off of uh, some panel uh, from Rumi in Pine Interest or something, but no. Faith is often about us trying to understand something of the world and, and taking a chance, and most writing is about risk. So I'm going to give you a little introduction over here, and then we'll go out the three different sections of this show, okay? Seeing without eyesight might be the best manner to obtain the truth. For seeing with eyesight doesn't always mean we witness the truth. If you drink or if you use drugs, you're really altering reality, and in, in many ways, you're not seeing the truth. And in fact, uh, you're altering reality, so that way you're like living a lie. So you can't expect to find the truth that way. And you can't see the world as it really is if you're inside the confines of an ideology or religion, because automatically your perception is already prejudiced. What is faith? It's the ability to believe without clear evidence. Now, it's possible, and I really believe this, that you can have faith and not rely on spirituality, religion, or even philosophy. And, and I don't say this because um, I'm trying to sidestep those things. Because I'm really not. I'm, I'm actually believing a lot of that. But oftentimes where it comes to art, we need to have our own focus and it needs to be stripped from many of those things. Otherwise, they taint what we're trying to do in art. You know? Then suddenly it's, it's, it's philosophically inspired. It's, it's religiously, uh, oriented. You know? Or, or it, it is spiritually endowed. What's this art? This needs to be art. I'm not saying that it can't intersect with some of those things, but when it does, it has to be done and I feel a more natural path. It can't be something that we're starting from because is that really art or is that just really a, a tangent of, of a belief we had, you know, when we were younger or after we, uh, finished, uh, going to a church service or, you know, watched a philosophical, uh, video on YouTube or something. No, it, it's not. Okay? When you rely upon faith without spirituality or religion or philosophy, faith is like a form of confidence. That's really what it is. And by respectfully rejecting you wanting to carry, you know, accidentally or on purpose, some agenda, in many ways, art can, can be a journey that allows you to get the most honest self-revelation possible. You learn the most about yourself that way 
when you strip it from all those other things. This way you're doing it for art, you're doing it for yourself. And then that way you, you learn the most. And I think also you uh, you get to get to put together the most purest art possible. I know art is really hard to, to find in, in the age of machines. I mean, you got people, they believe more in steel than they believe in themselves. <laughs> you got folks here that trust stone and, and just, you know, toss away the soul like it means nothing. And, and years ago, you know, medicine was more than just a pill. You know, it, it was also, you know, the, the, the power of a dream. You know, the beauty of a song, you know. Even, even the picture of a flower could be medicine to a person. Now it's just a pill. Now it's just uh, some tangible thing that somebody made in a factory far away. I mean, you hope they made it correctly so you're not getting sick from the cure. <laughs> Alright, so on this show here, uh, we're going to break it down into three different sections. We're going to have faith in creation, uh, faith in communication, and faith in the human condition. I'm going to start each, um, uh, I guess you could say, section with a, with a quote. Every so often I do this because sometimes quotes, as long as we're not making them into some giant philosophy, as long as we're not writing them down as a bumper sticker and trying to live our entire existence by them, uh, they can help illuminate certain things we're talking about. And that's all they really are. They should be maybe a road sign to some place or a pointer. Now, that's it. You don't want to make them the... You know, the whole ball of wax, okay? Because that's when you start creating a, a whole ideology of religion out of something, and that's not helpful. You can't live on a quote for a hundred years. You really can't. All right. First section here is faith in creation. And what I mean creation in this particular context is writing. Uh, it could be art, of course. You know, you could be sculpting or singing or painting or something. But in this case... We're writers, so this is going to be about faith and creation, and it's about writing. Okay? Alright, so, oftentimes, the very act of writing is the act of faith. Because, if you admit it, many a times, you see the words, or the ideas, or even the, the images in your mind first, before you ever see them in the physical world when you write them down. So already you're creating something in the faith of your mind. I know that might seem like a stretch, but it's not because that's usually the best place for it to start. Because you even giving it the thought and carrying that thought and continuing that thought. And then later on writing those thought into some notes that later on could become a poem, an essay, etc., all of those are acts of faith because you're believing without even being informed yet that it could have a purpose, that it can have meaning, that it has value. And that's what faith is all about. It's a form of confidence. And you already see how this makes some sense. Now, I'm going to read this quote to you because I, I really think it, it helps us a great deal to understand what we're talking about here. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up people together to collect wood. Don't assign them tax and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. 
Okay, that was Antoine de Saint Erperpe. All right. Now it reminds me of something my mother had, had said long ago. This is before you know she uh, had lost her um, her mind uh, to uh, dementia. Uh, is that many a times if you want to inspire somebody to do something uh, artistic, particularly in writing, it was better that you um, read stories to them, that you try to enact uh, some of the plays from Shakespeare, that more artistic things that were done already helped inspire a person's imagination, helped get them more excited in the act of writing than just mechanically talking about this verb, this sentence structure, this rhyme scheme, etc. And I think that's pretty much what she was alluding to in this kind of a quote. It's more important for them to demonstrate in their mind what they see, what they hear, what they want to say when they see already the sea, when they're so excited about going out there for the adventure. Because it's the adventure that inspires them to write. It's not the writing that inspires the adventure, you see. So... The very act of writing is an act of not only creation, but of faith. You're putting together things that you're seeing, you're hearing, you're, you're dreaming about. Maybe even you're having bad dreams about. But they're pushing you in the direction to where you're going from faith to fact. You're transforming something that could have been a fantasy into something that now is a reality on page. That is faith seen without eyesight. Because before you even wrote it down, you already saw it. Some of it already made sense to you. You felt that in your heart that, you know, yeah, this is where I want to go because this connects where, where I'm at at the world. Or this is what I think the world should hear about or, or, or read about. That's what makes so... Uh, art so uh, I find uh, exciting and interesting because you can do all of these things learn something about yourself learn something about writing better then learn something about the world and you can do it without any of the preconceived notions of spirituality or religion or philosophy and I don't say any of that to put any of that down because I happen to think that all of that has merit but if you remember from the from the first show, and it continues on with the show that we're doing the, uh, three years later. Strength to be Human is really about making sure that we are more honest to ourselves as humans so that we're not so captured by religion or we're so captured by science that we, stop, we stop being ourselves. We start losing our, our identity. We start forgetting that we have our own destiny that has nothing to do with those belief systems. Now, those belief systems, meaning science and, and religion, have merit, have value. They might even have some, some comfort for us and, and possibly even some things that we can take out of them that helped us be stronger, you know, at times of weakness or times of, of deep inquiry. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with any of that. We just need to still be the master 
of our own souls and not allow that to be usurped by those things. I read a long time ago that if you're the pastor of a church, that the responsibility you have in, in, in a spiritual way uh, to heaven or to God or whatever you might want to believe, it's enormously uh, more than any of the parishioners over there. Maybe there are some things they can be uh, easily uh, forgiven for, for being ignorant about, but you are supposed to have more knowledge. And therefore, you have more responsibility. So if you do mislead somebody, especially if it's intentionally, you know, you have that much more of a consequence to pay, you know, in the afterlife. It makes sense to me, of course. But that's what shows you that you need to be able to be the custodian of your own soul, like I've always said in, in the show. You have to be, because it is your soul. It's not a pastor's soul. It's not a scientist's soul. It's not a cult leader's soul. It's not some politician's show. It's your soul. And you have to be accountable for it at the end. Whether you believe in a God or not, accountability is still important for people. And you can't run away from that, because the moment you do that, that's when you're running away from truth. And I say more than not, that... Most of the people who invade truth, they don't often get to be the best artists or the happiest people or even the, 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 the strongest of character. Because uh, truth is what's necessary for us to be able to form what's important not only in writing but maybe some new things that we discover that can help educate somebody or help inspire somebody or help open somebody's eyes about something so they can go do something about the world to make it better. And we can't do that starting from a lie. We have to know what's going on. We have to have that truth in, in our possession. Okay, now. Let's go on to our second section here. That is faith in communication, or in this particular context, the submission process, okay? So it's uh, faith in submission, but, you know, it's faith in communication because that's what submission is. It's a form of communication. And let's talk a little about that with this quote here. Talent develops in tranquility, character in the full current of human life. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Here we go. And he's right. Entirely right. Okay? There's an enormous difference between talent and character. And the reason why is this. Talent, whether it's you know, you're born with it or you just created it, it's always developed someplace apart from people. In a, in, in a room, you know, in a monastery, in a basement, in an office, it's developing there uh, apart from people, in a quiet place, in quietude. Character, on the other hand, you cannot develop in some sort of solitude because character is what builds a person where then that when they're in the full current of human life like he says or 
where they're in, they're in action, they're in motion, they're in contact with people, and they're using social skills, and they're using the um, decision making and and being responsible for decisions and and making mistakes and learning from those mistakes and 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 and, and being appreciative of victory and, and trying to gain something from from a loss or, or or from defeat. That's how a character is formed. It needs. Like a sword that needs to be sharpened against something. It doesn't, you just don't hold it and it stays sharp forever. So, faith in communication and submission, it's probably the biggest things that most people tackle that I hear about on a regular basis when people contact me or email me or instant message me. Okay? It's act of faith because. In many ways, we cannot submit the work that we just put our who knows how long time in if we don't already believe that it's going to be accepted someplace. So the act of communication, in this case, the act of submission, is we believe in its acceptance before the work is accepted. Again, that's, that's a faith. And we don't do this out of arrogance, because remember, faith is a form of confidence. We do this in a stubborn belief that our work has value, that it has merit, that what we did can make a connection with somebody. We don't know where that connection is going to be. This is why I always uh, advise people, submit your work five, six, ten times out there because the more times you sit out there, the more the, the chances are that someone's going to accept it because you're going to get a lot of rejections. You're not always going to know the reasons for these rejections, but you will get them until someone does accept it. It will happen if you continue to submit it out there. Every time you make a submission, you're making an act of faith. And every time you're doing this, it's also saying to yourself and, and to the world, yeah, I'm sending this out more than once because I believe in it. And when it does finally accept it, I, I've tracked enough that I can let all those other people know, hey, this finally got accepted, so I'm going to withdraw this. Thank you. You mark that down because, you know, it's something you could send something, something else one day to that place. But it's the hardest I find for people the hardest to do is to believe in something that you send out there because rejection can be uh, cold. It could certainly be cruel, especially when it sends some soulless form letter that never advises you about anything. I'd rather somebody be vicious than than to be silent. That's just my own, uh, you know, take on things. Others sometimes they like the silence or they whatever, but to me I don't see how you learn if someone can't say something useful to you. Like this is why, you know, I rejected it. I didn't like the title or thought the third paragraph stunk or, you know, I didn't get the whole meaning of it all, etc., etc. Believe it or not, that's still more useful than just telling somebody nothing. You know, I, I don't know why people do that. I really don't. But it happens so often. But the faith that you have, it gets tested. It gets tested every time. Let's say you sent it out ten different times. I mean, you already got five back, you know, a month ago. Uh, 
reject it. I mean, you, that faith is tested every time one of those rejections come. Sometimes your faith can be justified. I'll give you an example. And uh, I don't make light of anyone. I'm just just giving you what I feel is, is the truth, okay? Um, I submitted a piece out there um, last couple of months. It finally got rejected. Uh, it got accepted a couple of days ago. But I got two rejections from it. Now, I got a lot of rejections of it, believe it or not. I got like about maybe 12 rejections in the last couple of months. But two of those 12 rejections, the uh, editor had something to say. And in each time they had something to say that was both beautiful and elegant about the piece. Now, you say, how unusual is that? Well, I don't know. Because sometimes you have to take something like that and, and use it to your own advantage to help you, you know, withstand the pain of, of the rejection and, and to continue your faith. And and sometimes it's not always the best to, to question it. Well, they probably just did that because they felt weird about rejecting it. You know, or maybe they just didn't like the idea of uh, rejecting something that has a, you know, a, a, a more delicate subject and they didn't want to seem like they were jerks. Who knows? You don't know if any of that's true at all. But you can use that to help yourself. You know, and then of course uh, I finally I finally got accepted, and uh, there was four other places left that um, it was still in in the, um, the pending stages, and I contacted them all and told them, you know, I got accepted, and that put a rest to that. But you're going to get those kind of rejections out too, where people have good things to say, and I know it's going to seem unusual. Well, why they rejected if I had something good to say? But that happens. Sometimes they honestly don't believe, you know, something's going to fit what's going on, you know. And, and, and sometimes we have our own responsibility to, uh, for this as, as well. You know, I know my particular case for the piece I'm just talking about over here, you know, I don't mind uh, telling you. It, it had, it was a fiction piece, but it had to do with, with the first concentration camp in Germany uh, called Dachau. I can just imagine that even though I purposely didn't make the piece to be extremely graphic or very political or anything like that, um, I can still imagine how, you know, a magazine, a literary magazine might not feel that it, it fits from what they're trying to do. You know? Every time you write something like that, you always risk that that's going to happen. You also, you're going to risk that sometimes it, it, it's going to be stuck in, a, in what they call a, a sort of a ghetto where it's like, no, we can't do this unless it's on a certain holiday, or we can't do this unless we already have a theme similar to that, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Which kind of stinks that people think that way. I was fortunate for someone to pick it up in a wonderful magazine. They didn't feel that way. They didn't have a special theme. They didn't need to make all those justifications to put it out there. They saw uh, the value and the strength in the work, and, and they accepted it. It takes a while to get done, but... uh that's what faith is all about. Believing that someone's going to finally catch what you're doing. It's going to take a while sometimes. I mean, it's been months and months for that to finally get accepted. But hey, I'm happy. Um, but I've been doing this a long time. Maybe um, faith is a little, a little easier to come by after you know, a lot of acceptances and all that. But 
nevertheless that's exactly how it works i wanted to share that with you so you have an understanding that i'm just not telling you a couple of words and thoughts i put on a paper to make a show it's the truth this is literally the way i live that's literally how that happened so this way you have a better understanding about how you need to go about it and this is not to say this is the only way to go about it because how you uh, find your faith and how you hold on to your faith how you justify your faith is a very personal decision and it, it has more than one ways of doing it i don't know too many other ways of the way i do it because it's not really something i explored all the different versions of faith but i'm sure there's more than just the way i do it now final one over here is another in the last section is faith in human condition or you know faith in humanity most people would rather be certain they're miserable than risk being happy and that's by uh, robert anthony it's a pretty deep quote and uh like i mentioned before that it's not always a good idea to quote you know hold on to these quotes for your entire life but there are a couple of quotes that they might get come close to that and this is probably one of those because i i receive this as a recurring and see people so many times that it's just it's disappointing as hell it really is that people would rather keep the certainty of being miserable rather than just taking the risk of being happy I don't even understand the damn thinking. It does to me. It makes no sense because if you're certain that you're unhappy, why not take a risk to be happy? What the hell is going to happen if it fails? You go back to being happy. Well, you were already happy before, so great. Why not take the risk then to do something different? Just don't understand that. I really don't. Especially since we've talked about many, many times on the show, and I'm sure we talk about it because it's one of those. Uh, recurring themes for me and I believe it's just so relevant in, in all writers that I talk about it a lot remember we talked about faith is a form of confidence on the show but we talked about on many shows that writing is a risk writing is the act of gambling writing is taking a chance writing is spinning the wheel yep writing is throwing that dice I could keep going on forever but in the end, that's what it is. That's what you're doing. That someone's going to come back to you and psh, smack you in the head. Even with a stupid performance letter. You know, I, how they usually go like this. Uh, it's not a reflection on your talents. It's really more about uh, it just didn't fit what we're trying to do. What the hell are you trying to do? Huh? Is this, uh, is this your, um, your edition on bluebirds that sing strangely? Get the hell out of here. This didn't fit what you're trying to do. They're so stupid, these form letters. They really are. But still, that's, that's, it's a slap. It, it, it's, it's unsettling. It doesn't tell you any damn thing. That's why I tell people all the time, just ignore them and move on. You can't do much with them. You have no right, in my opinion, you have no right to question your talent. You have no right to be unhappy when someone doesn't tell you crap. They send you something they sent to 300 people this year. Really? You're going to get upset over that? And I'm not suggesting that if you get upset that somehow you're playing in their hands. There's no hands to be played in because they're not doing this to hurt you. They're doing this because they're lazy. Because they like the title of being an editor more than they like to actually being a damn editor. 
and doing something. I don't know, like really editing. Some of these lines, I don't like the way they work. Uh, I don't really completely understand the gist of the story. Maybe if we try looking at this, we can review this again later on in another time. This title sucks. Blah, blah, blah. I say these things to people all the time. How the hell complicated is it? You want to be an editor? Be a damn editor. So therefore, you have no right to be to be upset about any of this stuff. They're not telling you anything that's useful. So, maintain your faith. Nothing has chipped it with a stupid letter like that. Nothing at all. But I'm, I'm always amazed that, that people will not will not take the risk. And I've seen this happen in all kinds of facets of people's lives. It's not just uh, art, you know. You you find some of the most unhappiest people in the world are people that uh, they, they 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 settled, you know, staying with somebody that that not really happy with, or or they 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 married for position, or for money. Or, like this quote says, to, to just seem more content being miserable. It's almost like they've gotten used to that, you know? Their body is now conformed to that crappy chair they sit in every day. They don't even notice that their, their back is kinked out and they walk in a sloop and, uh, you know, that they're hurting themselves by that, but... This is what happens when people are comfortable. But we're writers. Our job is to make people uncomfortable. Not because we try to piss them off. Not because we want them to be unhappy. But because we need to slap them in the head so they're not so damn sleepy that they don't understand what the hell's going on around them. That's what we do with writers. We slap them in the head. Sometimes we get slapped in the head too. In fact... More writers get slapped than most people because of what they have to endure. And I understand that more than you think. But if you want to be writers, you have to learn to grasp onto some kind of faith. Build some kind of ritual like we talked about in the other shows about putting together notes, putting together assigned time to go do something. Sometimes you have to put something off because you got a flow that's happening over there. Get that faith. It is a form of confidence. And learn that writing is a risk. And because it's a risk, you're taking the chance. There's nothing wrong with that. we got a world that things don't change because people don't take chances. Or they don't do anything at all and they wonder why. You know? I want the world to change so I built the monument. Well, that's not going to do crap. Okay? I'm sorry to say that we, we're, we're in an age right now where people are tearing down monuments. I think it's dumb to tear them down. It doesn't, it doesn't prove or help anybody. Unfortunately, lots of people are building them too, and that often doesn't do very much for us either. I, I hate to say that we have a world full of monuments and most we don't need, but it doesn't mean we need to tear them down, because it doesn't do anything. Just like we got people that, that light candles and have vigils all the time. Don't do anything either. You can change the law or try to work somehow to change people's minds and hearts, but you're not going to do it in a superficial manner. You're only going to do it with human contact and with time. And that's the problem. That's why the world changes, and when it does change, it changes very slowly. 
because the real work to get stuff done, people don't want to do. It's just easy to have a vigil and go home and have a Twinkie. It's easier to build a statue and not actually try to build a community. That's the problem. We're too focused on the superficial. That's why writing is so important because writing goes beyond superficial. And when it believes and what it's trying to do, it strikes at the heart of the matter more than anything else that people can do out there. Your writing can change more people than the statue or vigil will ever do. Don't forget that. Alright folks, and next time, God bless you. That was uh, Faith Sees Without Eyesight, episode 202, Strength to be Human. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi. Good night. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.